I like to think of, okay, let me back up and then I'll finish that sentence. A lot of the people that come to Family Brand are entrepreneurs. So a lot of what we teach, I like to relate it back to business because in business, entrepreneurs do so many things. It just comes so natural for them. Like for example, weekly meetings or check-ins like with team members. So I like to think, why don't we just apply those same ideas to families? Because the things that work for teams in business, they'll work for teams in families. Welcome to the Let's Not Sugarcoated podcast, a podcast about the real, raw, and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Alex and Bella. Let's get into it, ladies. Okay, let's get into it, ladies. Today, we have Melissa Smith in studio. Well, not in studio. It's our first uh, Zoom uh, recording. So we're super excited. It's new and and yeah, I think we should do this more often. I know, we've only had people in here. Yeah. Yeah. So Melissa is the founder and thought leader of the Family Development Movement and the company Family Brand. Family Brand helps parents discover how to transform their family culture, create relationships that last, intentionally grow together, and find the courage to live in the life they want for their families. She co-hosts the Family Brand podcast with her husband, Chris, which debuted at number two in the kids and family category on Apple. She is the mother of five holy men. I don't yeah, know how lots. you guys do it with more than two children. I tell <laughs> yeah, you. Let's tell us more about that. Yeah. <laughs> and a real estate investor. Melissa and family brand will help you explore how to prioritize the things that matter most and level up in your life, your marriage and your family. Welcome. 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 And you are Thank not you. in Kelowna. No, you she's are. in Arizona. Arizona. So we have our, you know... First international I know. guest, which is so exciting. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I am international. Yeah, what an honor to be here. Our first international. Yeah. yeah. So tell so, us yeah. a little bit more about what makes you and your family and how you guys came to do this type of work. Yes, we do have a backstory that as you were reading my bio, I was like, it doesn't really capture any of the any of the why behind <laughs> oh, all perfect. that. You know? Now you can tell us all the why. so uh, we actually have a good a good story a good why and that is that my husband and I we got married very excuse me very young Um, I was 20 and we realized soon after we got married that maybe this was a mistake Mm -hmm. maybe we shouldn't have gotten married Um, but we stayed married and then we actually ended up having two two little boys and they were 18 months old and I had a four week old and he came home from work and he said, I don't really want to be married anymore. And, you know, me and my postpartum-ness, it was hard. I mean, that's a hard conversation anyway, but just the timing of it was just devastating and I had kind of chosen not to maybe face some things that should have been addressed earlier. And it just kind of all came to a head right there, um, you know, when we had our second son. And we decided though, you know, ultimately it was because we had children together. We decided we want to make this marriage work and we don't want to just suffer through life together and just do it for the kids. Mm -hmm. We want to make this marriage work and we want to have a happy and fulfilling life together. And so we kind of rebuilt our family from from the ground up, like starting um, 
from four years in, in marriage. And that was kind of just the starting point, I guess, of our, of our journey to where we are now. A couple other things that kind of led us to where we are today. Um, my husband has a consulting company for um, other businesses and entrepreneurs, and he helps them get really clear on who they are and what they stand for and the message they want to take out into the world. And one day he came home from work and he said, hey, we should take my family, our family through my process. Um, people were telling him like, I have more clarity around what what I do and who I am than I have mm-hmm. ever had before. And he said, let's do that for our family. And so, you know, he always, as an entrepreneur, he was always coming home with ideas and I was like, okay, okay. Like, <laughs> let's do it. Um, and so we did, we took our family through the, his process and we realized afterwards, we're like, we just branded our family. Like that was pretty cool. Um, and then I guess the last couple of whys are, um, my husband also has two brothers that he's lost to suicide and addiction. Mm-hmm. And we realized we need to have a really strong narrative for our children. Like, what do we stand for? Who are we? Because, you know, some of the stories that were maybe being told about what does it mean to be a Smith, which is our last name, weren't necessarily the stories or the things that we wanted our children to to live out or to carry on. And so it's really had us develop this thing, this family brand for our children, for what we wanted for for our family. And then lastly, I just felt a really strong calling. Um, I'd say from God, like that there's not a lot of things like this for families. There's Mm -hmm. things for families, like once you're in crisis, but to really focus and strengthen your family where you're, where you're starting, where you're at now. Most of the families that come to Family Brand are fantastic families. They're just wanting to bring a little more attention to their family. There's not a lot out there for families just wanting to, to level up in that way. Um, so I just feel really strongly that all of our journey wasn't just meant for for us. It was meant for us to now share what we've learned and discovered with with other people as well. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And so did you? do you basically do a similar process then to his process that you developed as you yeah moved forward. Yeah, it very much started out being quite similar to what he was doing, and then as time has gone on, it's it's evolved. So they've they're kind of diverged a bit as far as the process and what it and what it looks like. But you know, family brand as it exists now is a really deep dive for families on what is your family culture that you have in your family. What are your family values? And then we actually have um, kind of by accident. We were we had taken a, a family through our our program our process, and then after we were done, we were kind of telling her, well, these are some things that we do in our family to continue to live the values to keep those front of mind. And she's like, this should be in the program. This is like your best stuff, like the systems and the how to really implement it in, and integrate it into your family. So that's now become part of it too, is how to live out your family brand and live a life of more courage and adventure, um, the life you want for yourself and your family. That's cool. So like if somebody came to you, I know that it's probably in the course, so you don't want to give it all away. But if somebody I'll came to you, <laughs> what do you, like how do you work with them to be like, okay, let's start digging out where your family values are. Or how do you go about the process? Yeah, that is a great question because there's so many ways you really could develop family values. And we, well, so I, I guess maybe I'll back up just a bit. The first thing we talk about is your family culture because we feel that, you know, you can have great values. Like think of a, 
think of a business that you know, like maybe they have all these beautiful values written on the wall. My husband always makes this joke of like the posters with the flying (laughs) eagles, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) on the wall, but you can just tell that their culture is not good. Like it doesn't really matter what they have on the wall. That's how I feel about, about this conversation. Like you can have great values, but if your culture can't support them Mm -hmm. or doesn't support them, then it won't really matter. So starting foundationally at what is your, what is your family culture? And we believe that that family culture should be a culture of, of belonging. There's studies done saying that the basic like human desire is to belong. And so what if in our families, that's where our children felt that first sense of belonging, that it wasn't necessarily in a sports team or at school, but if they could feel that belonging in our homes, how amazing would that be? And um, it's a great foundational like understanding of culture in families. Does every member of our family feel like they belong in our family? Mm-hmm. Can they be accepted for who they are? And then moving on from there, there's a couple other things we talk about in our program, but going on to the values is when we first started talking family values with families, there's so many different ways you could do it. And we would just tell families like, okay, go out and develop your family values and then come back and we'll talk. Um, you know, we'll, re- we'll regroup and and go through what you've kind of discovered on your own. But families would come back to us saying we're fighting, like as husband and wife, sometimes we're fighting over our values, like what's more important. Um, sometimes they would come back and say, we have 20 values, mm-hmm. but we can't, you know, like, make it smaller. Yeah, Yeah, this is too much. Um, So we decided, okay, how can we streamline this process? How can we make it easier for families? And we were hesitant to be like, these are the family values you should develop because every family is so different and so unique. But we did find some really cool research out of the University of Nebraska that talked about strong families And it was based on this study that was done um, over the course of 34 years with 24,000 family members. And it broke all this information and all this research down to these six core values that they found that these strong families possessed. And so we really make a case for why you should have a family value in each of these core categories. And they are, I should have wrote them down because I'm going to Embarrass myself by not because we put on the spot. <laughs> but I'll just give you a sample so they don't yeah. forget them all. Um, like strong families prioritize their family. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to prioritize family? Strong families are resilient. How can we foster more resilience in our families? Strong families talk. Are we talking in our families? Um, and the research showed that it was talking about little things and big things. It was just an ongoing dialogue that these that these families had. Um, strong families, they we call it we bond. They spend time together. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is strong families. They have a sense of we call it in our program. We call it we believe. They have something that's bigger than them that they believe in. Sometimes this is associated with um, religion, but it doesn't have to be, but it's this greater sense of spirituality that is shared amongst amongst the family members. Um, and I'm forgetting one, but that's... <laughs> take, <laughs> that's the right yeah, take the course. Take the course. For the final one, yeah. But I do believe like the communication strikes. I'm always about the communication, right? And it's how we show up for 
each other and ourselves um, and for our children is uh, key because we can talk, but if we're not listening and communicating mm. in a way where people are understanding or at least taking whatever we say at value of what we actually mean, right? It's, it's um, yeah, I, I believe one of those key ones is, is, is communication. So how do you get people to communicate better? Better. better. <laughs> <laughs> like, does, <laughs> does everybody sort of sit down and go away and like come up with, oh, here's the values that I think, or did they discuss it as a family or how do the, how do people, yeah, get to get them to communicate about those important yeah, I, I feel like think, we're asking you 20 questions at once. I'm sorry. This seems to be <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> no, it's great. I feel like it's two different questions. So yeah. let me address them separately. So how to get families to maybe talk or communicate more, which I do feel like in um, in our world today, sometimes it is difficult because there's so many things that we have our kids um, participating in. And then when they are home, I know my kids love like being on their iPads and like mm-hmm. doing their things. But sometimes if you really look at it, it's like, are we having, like, are we communicating? Are we having deep conversation, you know? Um, so I think awareness is the first thing. I We were talking to a man earlier this year who we were talking about the importance of family meals together. We were taking um, a group through our through our program and I'll just say, I think family meals are a fantastic way to maybe start talking more. There's so much great research about how important family meals are and how it impacts, uh, how it impacts um, children's mental health and also their likelihood of doing drugs and teenage pregnancy, et cetera. But in talking to him, he was like, he had a long commute to work, to work and he realized, oh, I don't remember the last time I had dinner with my family, um, which is fine. But I think the first Awareness is he had that awareness now, like, oh, I can't remember the last time that I that I did that. So I think that's the first thing is having the awareness and then creating an intention just to do the the book Atomic Habits talks about just doing like one percent or more. It's not like I don't 100%. want families to like Yeah. So we have to change our whole f- culture and everything in a day. It's like, okay, how can we just do maybe one meal a week or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. And then the second question about like actually having um, families communicate about developing values, I would say um, kind of depends on the age of the kids a little bit because obviously you're going to have different conversations with a five-year-old as you are than you are with a 15-year-old. But I think the process that we've developed has families... Um, usually we have the parents go through our program and then they bring the pieces that they want to, to their family. I just feel like that's better. And I feel like, like that sets you up and empowers you as, as a parent to be able to bring what you want to, to your family and have these conversations in the way that you want to. So we actually have some worksheets that families can work through. Um, and so say, for example, in the, when we're talking about resilience, we make a case again for why you might want to have a family family value about being resilient. And then we give you options of like, hey, these are some options that are related to resilience um, that you could choose as a family value. And so then it's having the family come together and saying um, like one of them, one of the options, there's like 20 options for a family. One of them might be Smiths do hard things. And the other one might be, we never give up. So then it's a conversation about which one do you think 
captures the best who we are as a family and then kind of... Um, we never give you up. Know, the Picos never give up. That's our thing. There you I, go. <laughs> I tell my children all the time on the bike, when I was teaching them how to be on the bike, that's like one of our strongest core. I'm like, we do not give up. You don't give up. I don't give up. There you Nobody go. Gives. So I know that's a pretty strong value. value. So there, I check one for me. Point. <laughs> See, I love that. And you have it. Yeah. And I, and I found that like, a lot of families do already have this kind of foundationally, but maybe not necessarily defined in a way that, you know, if you were to ask your your daughters if they could be, if they could, um, if you were to ask them, what are our family values? They might not be able to repeat, we never yeah. give up. But I think even defining it in a way where it come, where they can repeat yeah. it back to you, if you were to ask them, sometimes just capturing it is is the biggest thing. Right. Yeah. In language. And she, Melissa has it, like uh, one of the things I really liked about your Instagram was you have your family values, like in these beautiful pictures that you have on your wall, right? Is that, and so everybody sees these family values in your house all the time. Oh. I think that's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you encourage parents to like write it down, have it up in their house so everybody sees? Yes, hundred percent. And I think it's twofold. It's for you and your children to be able to see um, again, that language, like reinforcing who we are and what we stand for. And then I think it's also cool when people come over and they can see, oh, this is who, this is who you are. This, yeah. I can see this. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. And then so tell us about some of these strategies, because I think I saw a story once where you were like having Sunday meetings or something with your your kids. Like, so is that kind of a weekly, tell us, I guess, broad scope, tell us some of the strategies yeah. that you do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is important to, I like to think of, okay, let me back up and then I'll finish that sentence. A lot of the people that come to Family Brand are entrepreneurs. So a lot of what we teach, I like to relate it back to business because in business, entrepreneurs do so many things. It just comes so natural for them. Like for example, weekly meetings or check-ins like with team members So I like to think, why don't we just apply those same ideas to families? Because the things that work for teams in business, they'll work for teams in families. So we kind of started with that idea and then brought that same rhythm and cadence to to our family. So we do have a weekly um, team meeting with our family. We call it our family check-in. And in that meeting, we discuss... um, We have some questions that we usually go through like it and it starts with what are you what's what are you grateful for this week and everyone gets to weigh in um who in the family did something kind for you this week um and then we talk we go through scheduling with a busy family of five kids it's we have to be open about communication and what's going on who needs rides where etc um and then we talk our last question is who has a problem that they would like help solving that the whole family can maybe use our collective um, energy and brain power, if you will, to address this problem, help, help our family solve problems. Mm-hmm. I, like That's good. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. We used to have a round table. I called them round table meetings mm-hmm. with Lee, um, but it was a square table. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) but they were also around because yeah, we would check in and say, okay, what's going on, and it was very business like. Um, We haven't done that in since we've moved to Kelowna. I think that's also the breakdown a little bit. um, That work we were 
we're still kind of working through um, is that those check-ins, right? We used to have, mm-hmm. if there was an issue or something that needed attention, I would call around meeting and we would sit at the table across from each other. And I, you know, Lee wa- always wanted me to come sit on his lap. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is a business <laughs> this situation. Is a this is a square <laughs> meeting. This is serious. This is like, you know. <laughs> no lovey-dovey-ness. No lovey-dovey because business. it's going to, you know, uh, not get, you know, fixed or done or whatever said in the way that it needs to come out. It can't be, you know. Uh, yeah. So I feel like that's a really good, yeah. you know. um Practice, practice really. Yeah. yeah. To have is to have those meetings where things are going on and, and just having structure, like you said, right? Having some sort of structure and you have your Sunday meetings. I call meetings as needed. I know. And that's the thing. These weekly maintenance meetings sound like the way to keep it from becoming a huge problem, Yeah, right? If somebody's like, I'm having a problem, you're all discussing it. It seems like maybe like you were saying at the beginning, people wait sometimes to, you know, figure out family values, et cetera, when it's like too late. Whereas if you're doing this regularly you're able to say what's working what's not working yeah 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 I do think that for us doing it more regular is better and I do feel like when it's been I don't want to paint this picture that we are this perfect family who does it perfectly every single Sunday and everything because just like every family listening we have our good weeks and we have our not great weeks but I can say that the weeks that we are more consistent it definitely impacts our interactions and just the mm-hmm. feel and the flow of the family. Mm-hmm. Do you find um, it helps your, like, I feel like my kids fight so much. You have five kids though. Do they fight or do you feel like this also on some level helps like people in the family to understand the other person's perspective a bit better? I think that's what my kids struggle with is like, they're like, it's stuck in this injustice mode all the time. Like mm. she's wronged me, he's wronged me. And it's like, okay, let's just like figure this out. But mm. I don't know. Yeah, no, our family does have challenges with that for sure. And in fact, our family check-ins, how I described you the questions that we asked, we used to not ask them in that order. I think we would start with who in the pro- who in the family has a problem that they would like help solving. <laughs> and then inevitably it was everybody. My problem is yeah. my sister, she. Yeah. And then it, before we even got started, it was just like Wait, I don't explosion. know, just explosion. everyone had a problem. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And so we did we did decide, okay, how could we start these meetings better? And we decided that, okay, starting in gratitude, like saying what we're grateful for, saying which of our family has done something nice for you, that that really set those meetings up at a better tone than mm-hmm. they yeah. were before. We yeah. used to do this thing um, around the dinner table that I think a friend of mine told me about. It was called like a rose and a thorn, but you would have to, mm. you'd go around and you say one really great thing about your day and one thing that like either made you sad or that you wish could have happened differently. And it did really open up the conversation for the kids to talk more, which I feel like I haven't done in so long. Just, yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. And I love the, we do something similar. We call it something a little bit different, but I like asking my kids though, kind of what maybe went wrong in their day, like the thorn, because I think it's some people are, I've heard some people say, no, like, I don't want my kids to dwell on that. But I'm like, I think that's a great skill for them to learn, to be able to reflect and see like, I, how am I feeling at any given point and be able to communicate that to my family and just open that dialogue for something that maybe didn't go so good during your day. And then like you said, the rose also sharing good things, but I think that's fantastic. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. The, I do. I let them come in and vent a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I switch it up. I'm like, okay, well, what was your part in this situation, right? Because it's usually one of the girls will come in and you know she did this, blah blah blah, and I'm like, okay, well, I hear you. I you know I recognize and acknowledge your feelings. Now, what she did was wrong. How did you show up in that situation? And she's like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, I could think, what did you do? (laughs) And then she's like, well, I pulled her hair or whatever and it all comes out. I'm like, okay, well, Uh what is a better way you guys could have handled this? And then we open that dialogue a little bit. Not that, you know, we're just working on that. We just started that up again because again, with Lee being away um, and us struggling, figuring out, you know, relationship wise and not being connected, and, you know, the family's feeling like I'm a single parent. He's living his, you know, sing, I call it single life, right? Coming home uh, for, you know, two days and trying to integrate in the family. It puts a lot of stress and pressure on the scheduling and, and the flow yeah. of the family, yeah. right? Because then we're in a flow and then he's coming in and, you know, he wants to do something and then... It's like, well, that's not how we do it in this house. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, well, yeah, totally. I live here too, right? Like, You're like two days a week. Two days yeah. a week, right? So yeah, that communication and then like just bringing it and um, yeah, mm. talking. So we are really working together to um, bring things back to um, how they used to be. So now we actually have Zoom, Zoom or whatever, FaceTime dates um, midweek, whatever, you could have right? Dinner, even I was just yeah, thinking. Yeah. yeah, I do well. You know, I'll go into my mini apartment <laughs> in my bedroom and was set up with chairs and whatever with my little mini fridge. I grab a glass of wine and then we'll have a date where we're not interrupted. And mm-hmm. I lock the door and there's always a knock and or or sheet coming underneath. <laughs> mommy, mommy. <laughs> Somebody always wants something, but they know now. There's actually I tell them. I'm having a date with daddy. Mommy and daddy need time for ourselves to connect. So I need this space, children. Go figure yourself out. <laughs> and they've, they've gotten a lot better. And that's given us that, you know, opportunity to connect um, on that level versus just, you know, hey, I'm running because, oh, I'm good. Because, yeah, the mm-hmm. schedules are starting again. Like today they have piano. Tomorrow they have dance. They're in competitive dance. So Wednesdays, are free-ish. Um, but yeah, it's just like constant and then Thursday still dance because yeah. yeah, scheduling, we need to work on on that. So yeah. Anyways, I think that's great. I We, my, our history and our and our marriage of that, of that separation, I think it gave us a perspective that we wouldn't have had otherwise um, to realize like, oh, it's important that you have that intentional time. It would be easy to say, no, we're too busy. But mm-hmm. having been there, we're like, no, it's it's important. Like you have to schedule those things in. And sometimes it might feel a little inconvenient to, you know, to your daughters or whatever. But I do think that that's really important to continue to to do mm-hmm. that in a marriage. I think, yeah, I think it also shows them um, what healthy relationship and communication looks like that mommy and daddy need their time because they're they're bond, they're together. Mm-hmm. If we don't show them that, you know, we are spending time together, how are we showing up for them? And what are we modeling as, you know, relationship examples for them to be, you know, growing into? So 
But yeah. 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 We're learning. I mean, it's funny how it takes like a breakdown to have those breakthroughs to make you stronger if you're willing to, you know, both put in the 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 work. Yeah. So I mean, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You don't have to share or not. Um, but uh, you know, when you had your baby and your husband comes and says, like, I don't want to be like be married. married. Yeah. Like, where do you go? Like, how do you rebuild go, that? Yeah. Rebuild that, right? Like, how how did you like how did you guys bring it back and, and chose each other versus chose to to be apart? I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think I actually did an Instagram post on this um, last week because I do get this question a lot and I haven't ever really sat down and be like, what did we do? Because it was such a, it was not like a linear like rebuild, like, okay, we're going to rebuild this. And every day it was better. It was like up and down and Mm -hmm. two steps forward and one step back. and, And it was, it was challenging for a long time. Um, but I think the first thing that we did is we decided, are we both, do we both want this marriage to to work? Are we both still invested in in the marriage and in each other? And ultimately we decided that yes, we were, which I think if one of us would have been like, no, I'm not committed to it. You can't, you can't rebuild a marriage if only one person is, is in it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the first thing is realizing, okay, we both are, we both still want this. And then realizing, everything that had led us to where we were at at that moment, taking each of us 100% responsibility for it. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't be a victim in it. He couldn't be a victim in it. And we just had to begin rebuilding from there. Um, I could talk about this for a very long time. I have a lot of other (laughs) things I could share, but I just don't know how deep we want to go right now. (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, it's up to you. It's up to you. We're all ears. So. <laughs> okay. I'm going to pull up um, my post because I'm like, yeah. I I captured it like very concisely. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is taking 100% responsibility. And then the next thing is deciding like it wasn't, it wasn't his job to make me happy and it wasn't my job to make him happy. Or because I think we lived that in that space for a long time saying like, well, when he does this, then I'll be happy. Or if she would do that, then I would be happy. But realizing it's not Mm -hmm. either one of our jobs for the other person's happiness. And then we decided to work on, to work on ourselves that it wasn't the way for the marriage to get better was for us to work on ourselves and the person that we wanted to be. Because Again, we had gotten into this habit of wanting to change the other person and thinking that they were the problem, but realizing that, no, I definitely, kind of like you're saying with your daughters, like, no, but what did you do to contribute to this? Mm-hmm. And how can how can you change or become better, or become the person you want to be? Um, and then for me, like in that moment, Chris was the one that had come home and said like, I'm done, but it, I did have to look and see like, okay, how have I contributed to this? And I realized like, you know, I didn't address things early on. I'd like buried my head in the sand when he, when we had been first married and he had actually told me like, I don't know if we should have gotten married. Um, I just t- chose to kind of blow him off and be like, no, we don't need to go see a counselor. Like 
This will work itself out. It'll be fine. But realizing like, oh, I contributed to where we're at now because I didn't, I buried my head in the sand. Um, So whatever it may be for each couple, like taking responsibility for where you're at and owning that and then working, working on yourself. Um, We went to marriage counseling. We had a, this was like in 2009. So I didn't, it was like before social media really, where you could just say like, Hey, (laughs) who has a great marriage counselor? I'm asking for a friend or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So we just happened to go to one and it was not a good experience. Neither one of us, my husband or I felt like it was a, like that he cared or that he was invested in mm-hmm. us and our success our, of our marriage at all. Um, and so then we tried one one more marriage counselor and that marriage counselor was life-changing. We didn't even see him that long, honestly, but just who he was and how he showed up for us um, made a huge, huge impact on on us and, and still does to this day. Like we'll have conversations about about that experience and how it, how it changed our our marriage. And then he, um, he had us start talking about what, what it is that we initially liked about each other. Like what, what had you fall in love? Like, like talk about those stories, reminisce about those good times and the things that initially attracted us to each other. He had us talk about that. And for us, that was really helpful to remember, oh, we did have good times together. We do, we did love each other at, at one point. And that, that was um, a big thing for us also. Also in choosing not to talk about what we didn't like about each other or what was wrong about our marriage all the time because there, there came a point where it was like every conversation is so heavy. Mm-hmm. That's all we ever talk about is what's not working. So really trying not to have that all the time. We even started going to date nights and it was like, okay, these date nights are set aside where we're not going to talk about these heavy conversations anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like, can we just go on date nights and have fun together? Which was easier said than done. But over time, mm-hmm. it was like, we began enjoying our time together more um, and enjoying each other more. So that those are just a handful of, mm-hmm. of things. But um, yeah, I don't know. And it was, it was, it was a journey. Like I said, yeah. a minute ago, it wasn't like it was better every day, but it was it was a journey. But I think because we were both committed to it, it was something that we were able to to do. Today. Yeah, I think like because you said both of you were willing to work mm-hmm. together and be committed and work on yourselves. That's like I feel that's the key is we need yeah. to look in the mirror and see what we are bringing to the relationship and how we're showing up and are we the person we want to be in this marriage? Um, not so much to make the other person happy, but is this your core values? Am I living up mm-hmm. to who, you know, the person I want to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just move forward with that. So that's what I'm doing and what Lee's doing right now is we're really working on ourselves. Um, you know, we, we've done a lot of um, self-development work prior to, but then if you're not in it, you kind of lose it. You forget, you know, yeah. um, certain things. So, uh, again, life got crazy. He's out of town. We weren't living up to who we are. So now we're doing a lot more internal work and work on ourselves. And it's really, um, I don't know, it's like the conversations we're having and the depth and the spark, you know, like the the love and the commitment and um, the connection. 
Because the love is there, you know, the commitment, it was the connection on a deeper level. Like, where are we want to be in a year? Where are his family going? Like, who are we? What are we doing? Are we just, you know, living this life day to day without mm-hmm. any goals or aspirations? Or, you know, where do we want to end up mm-hmm. in, you know, our relationship, our careers and so on and so forth? We used to have those conversations and then those stopped because, again, we moved Renault's, you know, parents moved in with us. My father passed away. So there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. the last two yeah. years that kind of, you know, put walls up and barriers. Like we weren't communicating because the life was just happening, happening to us. Mm. It wasn't happening for us. We weren't living a life we were wanting. It was very reactive. So now we're taking a step back and choosing the activities, choosing the conversations and choosing to show up a certain way for each other and for the family. And I'm I'm also noticing my children are a little bit happier. Oh, that's nice. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're feeling good and when you're um, in a good space, your energy affects, you know, especially in the home. Yeah. You know, if somebody gets up in a shitty mood... <laughs> Guess what? Sure. We're yeah. all going to be in a shitty mood. <laughs> yeah, and if you're feeling shitty, then like you're more apt to like snap at a kid or yes, you know, all Yeah, but if things. you're in a good space, yeah. Yeah. you know, then you're mm-hmm. you're a little bit more receptive and more gentle. It is know? hard to like um like you were saying about like owning your part about it, right? Yeah. And and you said you you and Lee are doing work on that and Melissa mentioned it. Like I find it is easy to get back in that pattern like I'm staying at my house right now um, with my husband just for this week until I move move back into another place. But I did say something yesterday and I apologized for all the hurt I'd caused in our marriage. And my old pattern would have been to be like, now I want you to apologize to me for everything you did. But sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. But then he was like, thanks. I really appreciate that. I really needed to hear that. And I, it felt like for a second, I had a thought where I was like, no, I'm going to go back to being like, no, I wish she would apologize. And I was like, good. Like, I'm glad that I owned my part in like the mm-hmm. hurt I had I'd caused because I think I've caused a lot of hurt and I didn't really own it. Like you're saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Wow. That really got oh, deep. That's, well, that's, <laughs> no, that's awesome. No, no. I appreciate your yeah. vulnerability. And I'm, I know like you're in such a hard place and I'm Sorry. And I love that you're doing like what you're saying though, like recognizing patterns and, and bringing your best to, to the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're freeing yourself from some of that stuff you carry. We did that work um, with Landmark and that's one of the courses Mm -hmm. that um, the first course makes you strip everything that you know and see your blind spots and makes you really look at yourself and how you show up in those situations. Um, and yeah, I had to, you know, call, apologize to, you know, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law because I was feeling so hurt by them and their actions for so many years. I was also showing up. You know, I put on walls. I was snappy. I was short. Mm-hmm. I did not take anything that they gave me like whether compliments or gifts, I did not accept it. I was like, oh, there's an agenda, mm-hmm. you know? So I already showed up a certain way. So I had to apologize and look, I'm like, no, I I also contributed to the relationship that we have 
of how, because of how I was receiving them. Even though when they were trying, I was like, nope, I'm just going to snap this back because you hurt me. I'm going to make you feel a certain way, right? Like that's our way of being unless you actually look in the mirror and go, shit, you know, this could have gone a completely different way. And maybe we could have healed sooner if I didn't contribute how I showed up. Yeah. The way I showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's good. And then, and then this weight is lifted. Like I felt lighter and a little bit more open to receiving, um, you know, whatever they were bringing. I'm not mm. saying it's it's perfect. <laughs> it's far from. But, but it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like how much of our lives can we just live on autopilot and not yeah. even realizing like our old patterns and conditioning and and getting out out from behind, you know, these yeah and then the blind spots like the big yeah. ones is like you don't know what you don't know until it comes mm-hmm. to the forefront and then you're like holy man what is this whole world i did not expect to have mm-hmm. so many blind spots when you know you're doing this work and it's hard it is so emotionally draining i find when you're working on yourself because then you're really opening up and going, holy shit, I caused so much hurt. Mm. And then that, you know, or whatever, right? It's just like, I don't know. When I'm doing this, I like the last couple of weeks, I've been doing some stuff and holy man, the amount of crying I did right. was like, <laughs> I'm such a terrible person. <laughs> right? Because and then you're like, like, wait, this is exactly what I'm not supposed to be telling myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but then you work through it you say, no, okay, this is how, you know, that was my old way of being. This is not who I am. And then now you can, you know, change those patterns and and do your tapping. I do a (laughs) lot of tapping. I got into the tapping, you know, (laughs) to change the newer pathways of how you talk. And and, yeah, but that's another story. Well, I think it's important, like you're saying, to remember we as humans, we're blessed to be able to change. And if there's something you don't like in your you know, in yourself or your marriage or mm-hmm. your family, it's like, what a gift that we have that we can, we can change. Yeah. It's never too late to Yeah, you can reinvent yourself. Yeah. You know, who you were before is not who you are today. Who you're yesterday is not who you are today. Like, it's just like that. Totally. Yeah. We have that power. For sure. And so, I guess like, even like you're saying who your family was, you know, the name, like you said at the beginning, how maybe there was some things that weren't working uh, for the identity of, of your family mm-hmm. name. And then you're like, well, we can change that. We yeah. have the power to change that. Yeah. And so. then you went on to have five kids after you went through this separation and then three more kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. We took a, there's like three and a half years between our second and our and our third. But yeah, we felt ready that we, we always wanted a big family, but we felt like, okay, we're in a, a good spot where we, can bring bring more, more babies to more us. babies in the world. <laughs> yeah. How old are your kids? Like, what do they range from now? Yeah, they're six to sixteen. Wow. Yeah, nice sixteen year olds. I know. I'm always scared of like is is raising a teenager scary or just like different different parenting challenges? It's different. It's not as physically demanding like the strollers and the car seats and the you know lifting and everything. But the thing. Well, I just love having teenagers so far. So that was a good news to me because I was a little bit nervous about it too. But I think the most challenging thing is realizing I have zero control anymore about 
anything. Like, of course, I'm still parenting them. Of course, I'm still, you know, showing up for them as best as I can. But when it comes down to like the decision-making, you have to start stepping back from it and allowing them to have their decisions and trusting that you've raised them and that they'll make the decisions that are best for themselves. I think that's been the hardest Mm. part for me is allowing that autonomy and that independence, which is what I want for them, but it's hard to to step back. I feel the same. It's like, I still want to dress my girls, right? Because they're identical mm-hmm. twins. Uh, and there's just no way I can, like, they are so different. I still sometimes want them to, you know, look like the twinsies. So I, I sneak in when they're sleeping, <laughs> I'll sneak you know, I'll come and dress them because they're tired. <laughs> but it's all for me. It's not for them because I'm like, uh-huh. I want them to look You're like, cute. I want you to look cute. I want you. Yeah. But yeah, I do agree. It's giving them that freedom a little bit to make those decisions and, and choices. Um, I am apparently very controlling. <laughs> Is that what you're discovering? I'm discovering. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's I think it's like the fear of of losing control and not being in control. Mm-hmm. But I can only do that for myself. I can't do that. Like I cannot be that for for them. I can just model uh, certain things. And yeah, I'm discovering that mm. I am scared not to have control because when my life feels out of control is when things fall go apart. fall apart, right? So mm-hmm. I'm looking into why and where does that stem from? Going back to childhood and you know, all that stuff, all that good stuff. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, my children are now in that stage where if I do something, they're going to be working on that (laughs) piece (laughs) and doing self-development work on it because I've caused some some trauma. But I think another interesting thing that having teenagers has brought up for me is it's like, I am motivated by how their decisions look or reflect me. Yeah. Right. And so that's been interesting to look at too, is being like, oh, that's not mm-hmm. what I want for our relationship is that I'm attached to how I might look if they make these certain decisions. So that's been interesting. Eye opening too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you said that, I did actually tell my children they were going to a birthday party and I'm like, remember, you're representing the Picos. <laughs> you're representing this family. Therefore, you're representing me, daddy, Babcha. So you better be. And then, you know, I yeah, like a all of it. <laughs> but I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know. That's like the best. But I feel gentle reminders <laughs> to, yeah. you know. Uh, I think you still want a parent. And, yeah. and it's that balance of like still being, you know, yeah. a parent. I had someone on our family brand podcast a while back who has raised five adults, um, daughters, Michael Hyatt, if you know anything by Michael Hyatt, but he said he transitioned to being, um, he calls it the trusted advisor. So Mm -hmm. as your children mature into adults, he's like, you no longer are the parent calling the shots, but you become the trusted advisor. Advisor. So you're still there like advising, Mm -hmm. but in a different different role. And I really liked how he, he posed that. That's cool. And I guess that that like, See, I always think of teenage years. I think I have a bias, I've realized, like, is I think about my mom and I was just so mad at her all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure my kid will be mad, kids will be mad at me at some point. But if you can foster those values and the, you know, a safe space for everyone to feel accepted, like you're saying, and everyone's allowed to be themselves, then maybe it does make that whole sort of turbulent teenage time. Maybe it does make it 
more like you can be their trusted advisor versus like their worst enemy all the time. This is at least what I'm hoping. You're inspiring me to think this is possible. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we are almost out of time. And uh, you have some fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what is your... We usually just do some like rapid fire parenting questions, but what would you say is your favorite... Like you have so many different ages, so you can pick one if you want. But so far, what's been one of your favorite things about parenting so far? Hmm. That's a great question. Should be an easy question, right? Um, I think just growing people has been fun. Oh, I'm going to get emotional too. (laughs) Meaning like... Having these little people and being able to be their mother... And see them like grow up to be the people that they want to be. I think that's been something really beautiful that I didn't really think about. It's like, how can I pour into them and and see them grow and develop into, into these like beautiful, amazing humans and that I get a front row seat to, to that process. Oh, that's, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, like I, I feel like my next question is usually like, "What's a time that you would do a redo?" But I don't want to ask that mm-hmm. right now, so it's not. <laughs> you can ask it. Okay, I'll ask it. So, but is there a moment in parenting that you can think of? Like, I know I have like a handful that I kind of go in my head too. But where you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like maybe you said something, or you were like, "I wish if I could redo that moment, this is what I wouldn't have done in that moment." I was thinking about something yesterday, actually, and it was just a silly moment, but I'm, it's on top of mind, so I'll share it. But um, I was really busy with um, where we go to church. I was really busy and involved with the women's group. And I there was a new woman that had started coming to church, and I was asked to go visit her. And at the time, I had my kids were little. I had, all, I had all five of my children at that time. They were little. And I felt like I went to go visit her and my kids were in the car and I just said, I'll run in really quick. I'm just going to like welcome her to the neighborhood basically. And I ended up staying in there for in her home for, I don't know, maybe like 15, 20 minutes. I don't even remember. And I remember thinking like, I feel like I just prioritized that woman who I wanted to welcome, but I feel like I prioritized her over my kids, like leaving them in the car, like and dragging them around with me. And I feel like I would look back at that and be like, I don't ever want to feel like that again. Like I, Mm -hmm. like something else was not even more important, but that I prioritized someone else's, um, comfort or whatever over over my kids and what's best for them Mm. Mm. yeah well thank you thanks for being so vulnerable with that (laughs) and then what would you say like if you could you go talk to some like brand new parent and be like this is like my one piece of advice because you know we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as oh yeah moms and parents and yeah my one piece of advice so i i hosted this little tiny event uh, a couple of week, 
couple of weeks ago and there happened to be a lot of newer moms there. And it was so eye-opening to me to see like how much they really spoke about how they felt inadequate and how they felt like they were failing. Um, and I think it is like as parents, it's so easy to feel like you're not getting it right and that you could be doing better. And I think sometimes those feelings are good to have that you want to, you know, of course, bring your best, but a lot of times they are feelings that are like um, rooted in guilt and shame. They don't really do you any, any good to have those feelings. So I guess I would just tell a new parent, like you are doing so good, like give yourself some, some grace and some patience Mm -hmm. and, and love, yeah. <laughs> love yourself for that that journey that you're on, and you're not perfect. None of us are, but um, you're doing so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I do. So yeah, true. and I always, you know, what I find um, when I do something that I, later, you know, I reflect. I'm like, oh, this does not sit well with me. I'm such a shitty parent. I shouldn't have, you know, all that stuff. I just go to my children. And I said, okay, listen, girls, like I am so sorry for you know, what happened. I did not show up a certain way. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. And and then they, they're like the best loving. They're like, it's okay, mommy. It's fine. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's not fine. But, you know, they giving them that opportunity and that apology shows them too that it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Just own your mistakes. And then, and then I feel a lot better. And then I'm aware and I'm like, okay, note to self, don't do that again. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I just, yeah, the, that whole going and talking to them, even if they're, you know, small saying, hey, I made a mistake and I'm sorry, because then yeah, it teaches yeah. them that. That's huge. Taking you know, ownership. To, and, take yeah. ownership of the this, this stuff. Yeah. And then you'll feel better and they'll feel better and everyone's be, happy. Everybody's happy. <laughs> so on so, that note. <laughs> and wait, where can everyone find oh, yes. you, first of all? Yeah. If like, yeah. Instagram, yes. site. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go to um, familybrand.com is our website. If you, what I'm going to recommend though, I'm, I've never done this at the end of a podcast. I'm going to try it. Um, if you go follow us on Instagram, it's called our family brand, O-U-R family brand. Um, and if you just follow me there and send me a DM about, um, cult, like just DM me the word culture and I'll send you this culture download that I have. It's like the first, how to create more of that culture belonging in your home. So follow me on Instagram, Amazing. send me DM the word culture, and I'll send that to you in your DMs. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you for being here and being our first, you know, not in person. Yeah. Yeah. International. International. Yes. I'm an international speaker. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) International style right here. You had it first. I love being so, with you today. Thank you for, for thank having you me. So thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Until next time. Okay, okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.